Hello, and welcome to the Pentecostal Youth Podcast, a podcast made for youth by youth. I'm Chris, and today I'm joined by Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Darren. Great to be back with y'all. And for the first time, we have Zoe. Hi, I'm Zoe. Today, we're talking about a subject that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, It can be an uncomfortable topic at times, but it's the topic of spiritual numbness. And Tom's going to start us out. All right, so I'm going to start out today with a Bible verse. We're going to go into 1 Kings chapter 19, and then we're going to go through verse 11, and then we're going to go to verse 12. And I'm using the NLT version, so let's start. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. So this is a familiar verse for a lot of us, and I feel like a lot of people hear it Sunday to Sunday. Occasionally, the pastor's preaching and says, we sometimes need to be quiet and just let the Lord speak to us. I think a lot of times when we experience spiritual numbness, We go into a panic-like state, a state where we start wondering what's wrong with us, and we start frantically trying to do anything we can to just feel God's presence. Sometimes we might listen to worship music more, or we might start reading our Bible to the point where we're just nonstop, or we might start studying stuff more. But at the end of the day, if we look at this verse, look what happened. He wasn't in the windstorm. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire, but he was there as a sound of a gentle whisper. Sometimes when we're experiencing spiritual numbness, what God is calling us to do isn't to start acting frantically and doing more, but sometimes God is calling us to be quiet and to listen for him and to hear and feel his presence in the silence as opposed to busying yourself trying to find him. God isn't hiding from us. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He's everywhere and knows everything. Sometimes we just have to stop, be quiet, and let the Lord uh, presence consume us in the quiet. Very beautifully said and very beautifully put together there, Tom. Um, what, what I have, uh, to share, um, it goes along the same lines because we're focusing on spiritual numbness. And I, I heard a couple of sermons, both of which paired with one another because they were good friends. Um, the late Brother Billy Cole and uh, Brother T.F. Tenney. And the sermon was, was entitled, There is Power in Pain. And both of them talk on a study. It's a scientific study on leprosy. And we, we are accustomed to the idea that leprosy is a disease that eats the flesh, and that is not true. Leprosy is a disease that attacks the nervous system. Uh, and when you have leprosy, you lose, the feel, you lose the ability to feel. And if you lose the ability to feel, when you touch your hand on a hot stove, you burn yourself and you don't know it. When you have leprosy, when you go out and you're uh, going about your day, and let's just say you're walking, you know how we get 
to the point where our feet hurt and we know that we need to sit down. Well, with leprosy, you don't know that. And your feet start to develop sores. So in a sense, numbness causes the things that cause the decay, that cause the rot, that cause the external things that affect us. When the same can be said, because leprosy is the analogy of the physical, but spiritual, I think a root cause in numbness is doubt. And doubt causes a numbness. Doubt causes itself its own decay, its own rot in the spiritual. And it's it's in part scary, but at the same part natural, because we all go through this. But we must combat those doubts. Scripturally, I believe it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I'm not going to quote it all off the top of my head, um, I, which, pardon me, I'm not the best at uh, uh, Bible verses, probably why I wasn't a Bible quizzer, but uh, <clears throat> it, it talks on lean, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. And doubt, doubt is man's understanding. If we dive in and we settle into our own understanding, we dive deeper into doubt. And when we dive deeper into doubt and getting into our own understanding, we become spiritually numb and we lose focus of what God has in store, what God's plan is. And it's the world that we live in, we put a lot of focus on philosophy. And our focus shouldn't be on philosophy. Philosophy is good. Philosophy can help. But we've lost the ability to focus on the theology. It is His Word. His Word is truth. His Word is what builds us. His Word is what equips us. His Word is the path to our destination, which is ultimately heaven. His Word is what ultimately can build us it even says that the road ahead is not going to be easy. That numbness and other afflictions they're they're going to happen. But use the negative for a positive, because mm-hmm. in in your numbness, if you are dealing with numbness, don't be discouraged. Dive deeper, study deeper. This is a time in which you should be building yourself, praying and fasting and uh, building that relationship with God to get you out of that rut. You know, uh, a lot of what you just said there, Darren, reminds me of an article I was reading to uh, prepare for this. I was doing some research earlier and one of its points is when you're experiencing spiritual numbness, you need to remember the truth, no matter what you're feeling. That was the first point on the page. And a lot of, a lot of what you said there, like really, it it doesn't matter necessarily if you're going through a low spot 
the fact that God is still God and God is still in control. I think also, just to add something onto this uh, as well, look at the book of Judges. If we look into the, the book of Judges, we see a, a cycle of Israel obeying God and then, or Israel disobeying God, uh, God punishing Israel for that or allowing punishment to befall Israel. And then after a while, Israel calls back out to God. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily, I would say, go too much into how Israel feels during those times. I mean, the Bible's not a, you know, a every detail kind of book um, at all times. But you got to imagine that when you're being oppressed by an enemy, after being promised that you're the chosen people, you have to feel some type of numbness to God. But look what happened every time Israel called back out and said, God, we're sorry, we want to change. God sent a judge. God sent someone to come and help them. So even if our numbness comes from our fleeing from God, our, our, our habit as humans to be sinful creatures, remember, even in that numbness, no matter what it's caused, remember that even when Israel was disobedient to God, was oppressed by people, God was just sitting there and he was waiting. He was waiting for Israel to turn to the direction they needed to turn, just to turn the right way. Even when they were imprisoned in Egypt, you see in the book of Exodus that the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I've come to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. And I think that's really important to remember that no matter what we're feeling, even if we're feeling numb, God knows that. But God honors faith. It says faith is what moves mountains. If we have faith, even if we can't, there's the song Waymaker, even if we don't feel it, he's working. Sometimes we're not going to feel God. But how do you think the apostles felt for three days when Jesus was dead? They didn't see God. They didn't feel Jesus. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. But did they give up? And some of them did. And some of them said, it's done. I mean, look at Thomas. Thomas said, unless I touch the holes of his hand and on his feet, I will not believe. But I think it's after he did, didn't he exclaim, my Lord, my God. I think that's, that's the time when he did. That's a time of numbness. Imagine the person you've been following for three years. You watch them brutally murdered. You can't feel anything but numb at that point. But look what happened three days later when Christ rose out of the grave. They felt his presence again. And then the day of Pentecost, when Christ went back up into heaven, and for those time up in the room, when uh, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, that's another time they probably felt numb. But at the end of the day, they didn't give up. They wanted to, but they didn't give up. They kept relying on God. They said, we're, no, we're going to pray because we trust God. So kind of what you were saying, Chris, that remember the truth, even in the numbness, they remembered that Jesus said he will send a comforter. So they stood and stayed in that room praying because they knew Jesus was going to make good on his promises. So I think that's a good point too. In your numbness, remember that there's a truth that Jesus has given us, and it's all throughout the Bible. And that truth is the same. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter how you feel, your feelings sometimes don't match reality. And God is always loyal to the truth and those who remain faithful right um and which i don't mean to take away time from zoe um but uh 
elaborate a little bit more, <laughs> um, which I believe it's in Chronicles where it talks on uh, my people who are called by my for my people who are called by my name, if they should humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. And in this situation of spiritual numbness, you know, to humble yourself, you know, that kind of, you know, for all situations that kind of seems like a slap in the face. And when you're going through something to humble myself, uh, big question mark there. Um, but the thing is, is that our human reaction is we want to solve the situation on our own terms and our way. But the thing is, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our plan is not his plan. He, he asks us to call to him. Those who ask will find. Those who knock, the door will be opened unto them. But first, before you do it, you have yes. to humble yourself to knock on that door. Because sometimes we want to go our own path, but we got to humble ourselves and know that he, he holds the key to the door. We just got to knock. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, just, yeah, there's uh, some verse in like Proverbs, I think, that's talking about like, uh, there's some verse before it. It's about like, you know, like the Lord will direct your paths or whatever. Like having to like, you know, deny our flesh and deny that pride really. Um, and just being like, you know, like we can't do this all on our own. And yeah, just because we're in that time of spiritual numbness, it doesn't make God any less of God. And a really big, a really big point that I've heard, um, in a lot of sermons is that our relationship with God is more than a feeling. It doesn't matter, you know, how we feel. It doesn't matter if we think we feel him or if we feel like we don't. It doesn't matter if we're doing really good and we're on the highest mountain or if we're in the lowest valley and we feel so hopeless. Um, our relationship with God, like he's, you know, he's the same yesterday, today and forever all of his promises that are written down in the Bible, you know, like those aren't ever going to change. Um, and yeah, living for God is so much more than a feeling. And it's, it's something that I've had to, you know, learn. I went through a pre like, I, I want to say it was like a six month time of just absolutely like not feeling God at all. I, you know, would go to church, you know, push my hardest in praise and worship and in the altar and, you know, throughout service and everything. But I just I just couldn't feel anything. And in my own personal prayer time, you know, just not being able to feel anything. And I even had went to uh, camp during this time. And, you know, while everyone else around me was, you know, feeling just this great move of God, you know, I was in the altar crying, not because the Lord was moving on me, but rather because I couldn't feel him. And I felt that something was wrong with me. I felt that, you know, there's something that I'm doing or that I'm not doing that is causing this. When in reality, you know, there's just those times where it's just, I guess you could use the word dry, but really 
like, you know, there's, there's going to be those times where you just can't feel God and there's, there's nothing wrong with you. There's obviously nothing wrong with God. Um, there's nothing wrong, but it's rather, you know, sort of, sort of a trial, I guess you could say, or it is a trial really. Um, you know, God is sort of testing you on that fact of like, you know, are you living for me just because, you know, you can just feel me all the time, you know, because that's not what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's so much more than that, but yeah. Yeah. I, um, I like how, I like what you just said. Do we follow God? Cause he makes us feel good all the time. Um, I just recently got married and in the marriage classes we took, my pastor looked at uh, my wife and I, and he said, listen, there's going to be times where you guys don't like each other. He said, you're going to have arguments and you're not going to like one another. He said, but he said, here's the thing, just because you don't like each other, or just because you get into arguments and you don't feel like you like your spouse. Remember, you didn't marry her because of the argument. You married her because you loved her. And to tie kind of into what Sister Zoe was just saying, uh, while you were speaking, Sister Zoe, I felt God really just put this on my heart. Do we follow God because we feel good? He makes us feel good. Or do we follow him because we love him? I feel like a lot of times spiritual numbness comes because we get so, I mean, we're Pentecostals, right? Pentecost Sunday's tomorrow. This is our big day. We get those services where we're running around, we're jumping, we're dancing, we're preaching. But you know what? It's easy then. It's easy. It was as, as, you know, I'm going to give the devil some credit here. In the book of Job, he said, listen, the reason Job worships you, the reason Job loves you and he's a good guy is because he has stuff. You take it away, he'll curse you. Right? You take away all the feel good. And I feel like the devil says that a lot of times to God. I feel like the devil goes up to God and says, you know, Sister Zoe, she loves you. Brother Tom, Brother Darren, Brother Chris, they love you because you make them feel good. You take that feeling away, they're going to curse your name. But God knows better. And God knows, no, they're following me because they love me. They're following me because even if everything went wrong in their life, they would still follow me. They're not following me for the money. They're not following me for the fame. They're not following me for the fortune. They're not following me for anything other than that they love me. And I feel like we have to realize is sometimes spiritual numbness might be like a, I call like a Jobian issue where it's not necessarily that we're doing anything wrong or it's not necessarily anything's going on, but God is proving to us. I feel like we can look at it as not what is happening, but what is God showing us through it? And God's showing us we're following him for his, loving him. We're not following him because he makes us feel good. We're not following him because we get that cool presence of the Holy Ghost that makes us jump, shout, and scream. We follow God because we love him. And we better follow God because we love him. Because at the end of the day, if you don't love God and you only follow him because you feel good, you're going to have a real rough time as the world starts becoming more hostile to Christians. With with what Tom just spoke on, you know, it, and to kind of jump back on something that I mentioned earlier, it reminded me of this, is that every time that someone is stricken, not that they got the disease, but it was stricken by God uh, to have leprosy, that it forms instantly in their body. Those individuals make choices that they turn from God. And turning away from God is a numbness, as I spoke on earlier. 
And it's only in those cases that God strikes it. Like for Miriam, Miriam has an opportunity to change, and she does, and thank God that she did. But God struck her with leprosy because she allowed things into her heart, which caused her to become numb and step away from the things of God. Rather than to love Moses's uh, wife, her uh, sister-in-law, she chose to hate her. And that caused a leprosy in her life and her spiritual walk for a time. But she did not allow that to completely eat at her. It did eat her. She got affliction from it. But she took the time and got uh, made the effort to get closer to God and make amends for what she did. And in this time, I'm not saying that you know your numbness is because you're doing wrong. That's not that's not at all what I'm trying to say. But I'm I'm using it as an analogy to say that even in these situations, whether it just be a time like. Uh, uh, Tom spoke on that it's a test or perhaps it's just God dealing with you personally so you can dive deeper, but it is the path that you choose and the destination which you choose, whether you are going to be all about you and yourself and have a pity party and go down the wrong road or you dive deeper, humble yourself, and go towards the right destination and get closer to God. And that is how you get out of the rut, is to get closer to Him. See, here's the thing I think a lot of people forget. God loves us so much that He will never force us to feel His presence we can always reject his presence. I heard a Christian apologist put it one time, and he'll, he'd go to college campuses and he'd ask girls. He'd be like, you know, and you know, sisters always, as, as you are the girl on the podcast, you know, uh, you, could even, <laughs> you could even answer on to this. And the only reason is because this is a girl-specific scenario. Um, I don't know many guys yeah. that have this issue, but he says, he says how, many, how many girls have guys that pursue them that they have no interest in? You know, all the girls are usually like, yeah, mm. I, we, we've had guys. And they said, yeah. He said, now, how many of you, you know, what do you normally tell them? And all the girls are like, well, I like you as a friend, you know. Okay. He said, if that guy one day just kept pursuing you, kept pursuing you, and you said, no, I'm not interested, and he grabbed your arm, he said, you're going to love me. Would that make you love him? If God grabbed us and shook us and said, you're going to love me. And no matter how you feel, I'm going to be there. I'm going to force you to be in my presence. I'm going to force you to love me. Would that be God loving us? If God loves us, he lets us go. And some people, and there's that uh, quote, and you know, um, distance makes the heart grow fonder. To tie this all in, when we feel numbness, it's not necessarily sometimes like, you know, a punishment or it might not be a test. Or, but what it is is sometimes we might be numb to the thing of God for whatever reason that is. But why does God allow us to feel that numbness? Because God loves us too much to force us to be in a scenario that either A, we're not ready to be in or B, we have no desire to be in. 
Sometimes we're numb because we don't want to be otherwise. Sometimes we let ourselves get numb. Sometimes we, you know, I've had this happen. You have a bad interaction. You get into an argument with someone with a coworker and you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to be Christ-like. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to yell at them. I'm going to blow up. And then all of a sudden you wonder why you're in a worse scenario. You can't feel God. You're in this rut. Well, God loves you and he's going to wait till you get to your right sense and he's going to come back to you. But God loves people too much to be like, oh, they're not calling for me, but I'm going to go and intercede. No, God's like, wait, when they call for me, when they say they need me, I'm going to come and help them. But it's not loving to come and intervene in somebody's life who never asked you to. It's not loving to intervene in somebody's life who's right now doing everything against what you could help them with. So a lot of times numbness might come from us being, we got to check ourselves and be like, are we allowing God, are we telling God, I want your love? Or are we, through our actions, through our prayers, through our works, through everything we're doing, are we telling God, I don't want anything to do with you? And I think a lot of times in our numbness, we do that. And a lot of times in our, when we're numb, it's not because God is testing us, but it's because we choose to be that way. We choose to say, no, like uh, I think you were saying, was it Chris or Brother Waddles was saying, knock and the door shall be open? It was me. It was you. Like you said, God doesn't, God doesn't get the battering ram and he's like, all right, Brother Darren, I'm coming in. You got to the count of three to clear the doorway. You know, God don't, God don't do that. <laughs> Right. God says, God says, <laughs> God goes like this, Darren, I'm here. When you're ready, Darren, open the door. <laughs> Darren, but you know what? Jesus isn't going to knock forever because right. Jesus is after a while, Jesus is going to say, all right, Darren, that's the last time I'm knocking. I guess you don't want me. And he's going to walk away. A lot of times our numbness is because we aren't willing to reciprocate the feelings of Christ and we aren't willing to be in his presence because we want to do what we want to do or we, our behavior isn't reciprocative and able to receive that love. I, that really, it reminded me, that reminded me of a conversation I, I literally had today. And it was in a different context, but it could apply just as much to this. And it, it really is a fact that as much as it's God's will for something to happen, for you to be there in his presence, it takes a willingness from you. It takes a willingness from us. If we don't want to be in his presence, he's not going to force us to be in his presence. If we don't want to communicate with him, if we don't want to pray, we don't want to read our Bible, God's not going to force us. You know, you. I think we've all heard it. Well, I, I don't know if we've all heard it, but I've heard it so many times. Like, God truly is a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. relates to what Tom was just saying. He he will not force himself onto you. He will not, he not force himself into your life. But he'll open the he'll open the door figuratively in a different sense than what Tom was just saying, but he'll open the door for you to walk through it. The door is there for you to walk into it to get closer with him. 
God always wants to be closer to his children. I agree. Always yeah. wants to be closer to his children. That's beautiful. What what we were just talking on just reminded me of the story of Zacchaeus in which, mm. you know, Zacchaeus went to God and they went to his house. God did not mm-hmm. go to Zacchaeus's house without his permission. Yeah. Right. Zacchaeus had That's to come awesome. to him first. And then he says in verse 10, I pulled it up. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I heard someone say sometimes that we get things backwards is we we want to seek God, but that's not our job. We're the we're the one that's lost. We're not the one seeking because God's not lost. We're the ones that are lost. Right, right. And God God He found us. But it's we we have to accept the fact, do we need saving? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't be saved if you don't want to. Right. Right. God can be willing to save you and to bring you out of the rut or bring you out of whatever situation it is. And... Sometimes I've heard of stories of God even going as far to physically tell the person, I'm here and I want to take you out of this mess. But if you don't want to move, he's not going to force you. Amen. You know, God is so awesome. A lot of people bring up the Bible verse about how there's a lot of debate of people saying, you'll hear certain people saying, you know, you know, how, how do, how do people in those countries where like in the Middle East where we don't have missionaries, you know, how do they find out about God? How do they love God? How, and I heard somebody put it awesome. Um, in Islamic tradition, the veil was never torn. So when Christ died, he tore the veil and allowed us to be able to communicate with God. But Muslims don't believe that veil's torn. Now, this means, essentially, that they don't have the same relationship with their God that we have with ours. So there's a lot of Muslims who, I heard one Muslim specifically put it, who what they'll say is God will appear to them in dreams. Jesus himself will appear to them in dreams because that's how they feel that God can only speak to them. They believe in dreams they can be spoken to by God. And a lot of Muslims report seeing Jesus in their dreams, and it's happening all over the world. But the thing is, these Muslims aren't just, they didn't just go to the mosque one day and come home and be like, all right, guys, I'm going to bed. And in the middle of the night, Jesus is like, hey, and they're like, whoa, who are you? (laughs) It's not how it happens. What happens (laughs) is they hear Christianity, and they become not numb to it. I feel like Christianity has become almost a buzzword to us. And I feel like a lot of apostolics and a lot of Christians in general, we just, we're like, yeah, we're Christians. You know, that's how it is. We go to church on Sunday. Some of us may do the sign of the cross. Some of us don't. You know, um, we go, we worship, we praise, I lift my hands, do my little dance, and then I go home. And we've, we've become spiritually numb, not even in the sense of not being able to feel God's presence, but we don't even acknowledge that there's any 
speciality to the church? Is that a way we could say it? That the church isn't even special to us anymore. And I've, we've all been there. I think we've all gotten involved in our lives to the point where we just went to church one day and we're like, oh, it's Sunday. All right. I know what to do. Like going through the motions like a robot. But that's another. You can yeah. still feel God's presence and you can choose to be numb to him. And right. You know, like Chris was saying, God's a gentleman. God's not going to, you're not going to walk into the house of God and God's going to pick you up and be like, nope, and throw you right out the front door. God's going to let you in. But Jesus says, there will be people in the end days who say, Lord, my God, I served you. We cast out demons. We did this all in your name. And Jesus is going to say, be gone for me, for I did not know you. I think a lot of times we talk about spiritual numbness as why can't I feel God's presence? But I think another type of spiritual numbness we need to talk about is, are you numb to being a Christian? Are you so Christian that you're numb to the idea of what it means? And the reason I bring up these Muslims uh, experiencing the dreams of Jesus is because they want to know God so bad that Jesus knows the only way I can approach them is through their dreams. That's the only way they'll believe in me. So they have the dreams of Jesus. That's not from a numbness. We need to have that desire to seek Jesus to the point that we say, I don't care how it's done, but God, you know what, you know my issues just work in my life. And I feel like what we see is that in the Western churches and Western Christianity, we have it very good. But we have to realize that there's a lot of times that I look at like, you know, Chinese Christians who are under persecution, who you hear stories of them memorizing Bible verses and writing down. There, there was one story I heard of Christians who got, um, they were on, I think North Korea took their ship and they were under North Korean uh, rule and it was horrible. And what ended up happening is that a bunch of Christians on the ship knew Bible verses and they started rewriting a Bible from memorized verses. Now, to do that, that requires to be sensitive to the Spirit, number one. But number two, are we, if we were in that scenario, what our first thought would be, let's remake the Bible, let's get into God's Word, let's get into faith. Being numb sometimes doesn't just mean that we're numb and we can't feel God, but it means that when we get into those bad scenarios, when somebody comes up to us and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, my mom just passed away, do we look at them and say, I'm so sorry? Or do we say, do you need prayer? Are we so numb that our first thought isn't the kingdom of God when helping people? Or are we numb to that? And when we hear something happen, we're just robots like the rest of the world. I think it's a testament to look into what other cultures who are under persecution, how much of a desire they have for God. In those cultures, the second you go numb to God, you become part of the culture again. And I feel like in the West, we think that you can be kind of a lukewarm Christian, but we know what Revelation says about that. It'll spew you out of his mouth. I think it's... I, I, I would say this as a warning to those who are listening. If you're experiencing spiritual numbness and you're seeking God, God still loves you. God's still there for you. God wants you to calm down and allow him to work in your life. But if you're one of those Christians and you're going to church every Sunday and you're just going through the motions, you are also numb. If you're a Christian that's not making Christ the center of your life, then you're numb to Christianity as well. And we need to all evaluate our hearts and our spirits and our minds and say, is Christ the center of my life or am I numb to what truly being a Christian is? And that's a selfless servant. Right, right. Um, 
with with what you said on the veil, I I love that. Absolutely love it. Because on this topic of numbness, and I, I keep going back, but that was my premise from the beginning is with leprosy. Numbness can cause blindness. Numbness, just like a veil, we, we have a lot of Christians out there. We have a lot of people out there, period, that have a veil. And a veil is a divider. A, a veil is what creates a blindness. Jesus being on the cross created a divider or uh, split that veil. There is no longer a separation between the worlds. Come all who are hungry. Numbness, if we allow that numbness, and we can see it within some of our own people, and we know we know them. We're not going to call them out, but we know them. We have those that you know are. They've allowed haughtiness. They've allowed pride. They've allowed that holier-than-thou attitude to consume them. How can you be a soul winner when you are holier-than-thou? That is a type of numbness. You cannot be that which God wanted you to be if you're that numb that you think you're better than the other person. And we need to remember especially especially those who are not in this phase of of uh, of spiritual numbness we need to be praying for those that are in this rut and praying for those that are in a negative rut because we need to remember that we're all so joiners we were all in that position at one point in time that we were numb and we need to remember that and those of us that are in that kind of a uh, uppity attitude that we're better than the sojourner, you need to humble yourself and remember that you too once were that sojourner. And if you continue on that road to think you're better, God will put you back in that position where you were the, or back in the position of a sojourner to remind you where you came from. I think, I think this is, but I do think this is an important topic too. I think, you know, there's so many different ways you can be numb, but to remember that God's truth is always there. I exactly. think that's super important to remember that, to remember that you can always yeah. go back to God, the, the prodigal father, you know, is a prime example waiting at the door. God's waiting for you. God's anyone who's experiencing numbness, just know that God's waiting for you to waiting for you to lean to him. And he's saying, you know what? I know you're numb now, but just remember that I'm still here. That's exactly right. I'm going to open the floor just one more time here for any last points. We're coming down to the end of our time. but It depends on how much time we have, because I can take this a slightly different direction. Just go. But Let's go. go okay. Um, okay, so another thing about spiritual numbness and another thing that I've had very, very evident in my life um, is with spiritual numbness, you know, that's that can, uh, you know, like when we don't feel God, uh, you know, the devil starts to attack our mind as in like, Oh, well, you know, like you did something. If, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, uh, you know, for doing everything that we need to be doing, uh, we're praying, we're, you know, going to church we're reading our Bible, we're seeking God. Um, we're, you know, building that relationship with God. We're doing all of that. We're doing everything we need to do to, 
you know, be in pursuit of God. Um, sometimes, and what I've experienced sometimes is that numbness comes right before a really big breakthrough, that attack of your mind during that Amen. numbness comes before a really big breakthrough. That's really uh, good. At my, yeah, at my home church, the, the first church that I've, I went to every single Wednesday, um, I would always have the most terrible day at school. Uh, I, something would always go wrong. I would always get in a bad mood. It, I swear it was, it was every single Wednesday. Um, but then you know, I had church that night, uh, and I realized, you know, the pattern that when I'd have that attack the most, and this, this could link in with spiritual numbness, uh, when I had that attack the most, uh, was when, you know, something really big was about to happen. Like something really big was about to happen at church. I was going to, um, receive, you know, a very timely word, something that I really needed, um, or in the altar, you know, God was really going to move on me or, you know, something big was going to happen. So, you know, like if you're in that state of spiritual numbness, you are seeking after God. Um, you're, you know, the devil's trying to attack your mind like, oh, you know, like, what did you do wrong this time? Uh, you know, God doesn't love you, you know, mess like that. It could be you could be on think the word is like the precipice. I don't know, whatever you could be on the, uh, edge of having such a big breakthrough of something, you know, really big happening. So really, you know, just keep faithfully, you know, chasing after God, um, even when you don't feel it. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel God or if you don't feel God, uh, you know, your relationship with God is so much more than emotions. Uh, but just keep holding on because who knows, there could be something right around the corner that, you know, is going to be greater than anything you could possibly imagine. There's this, there's this verse in, uh, I don't know if it's first or second Corinthians, uh, where it says like, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have even entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those that love him. And, you know, I think that, you know, it it can apply to that situation. Of course, Uh, we're just so caught up in this, in this rut. We can get so caught up in this rut that, you know, we don't even think of like, I, I guess like the great things that could be happening around us or after this or something. But yeah, that was my different direction to sort of take that. That was that was amazing. That was that was a good point, and I feel like a great way to end the episode tonight. Well, it's tonight when we're recording this, but this episode. But <laughs> in conclusion, we're gonna we're gonna end in a in a slightly different way because of the subject matter, and just by the way we're feeling tonight, and we're gonna end by praying for everyone that listening tonight so if you're listening and those of us that are here join me in prayer lord i thank you for each and every person that is under the sound of our voices tonight god every person that's going to listen to this episode of the podcast lord if 
they're experiencing spiritual numbness, whether it be any of the forms of spiritual numbness that we spoke about, or maybe if there's other people that are feeling spiritually numb, and it might not be exactly how we described tonight. God, we ask that you'd step into that situation. If it's been a while since they felt your presence, God, we ask that you'd move into the room where they're listening. God, let them feel your presence. God, if they're struggling to live the Christian life, numb in that way, God, we ask that you'd help them to improve, help them to dig in and get closer to you, God. But most of all, Lord, we we ask that you'd be there with them through this time. Help them to know that you're there with them. God, that the breakthrough, as Zoe was speaking about, is on its way. And that there's a time and a place for each of these seasons, including, including this season. And God, we ask that you'd just have a special, special touch on each of the listeners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that Amen. being said, we'd like to thank you for joining us on the fourth episode of the Pentecostal Youth Podcast. Um, I'm very thankful that we've had our guests with us today, Tom, Zoe, and Darren. And if you're not a member of the Discord server, you can join the Discord server by sending in an application on pentecostalyouth.chat. We'd love to see you. You can follow us on our social media. Instagram is at Pentecostal Youth. Facebook and Twitter is at PY Discord. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon for cool perks like listening to the next episode earlier than everybody else. And the link for that, I believe, is on the website and in the Discord server. I don't remember it right now. And if you have any suggestions on how we can improve the podcast, any topic ideas that you'd like to hear us discuss, you can put that in the suggestions server on the or the suggestions channel on the Discord server. And just make sure that we know it's about the podcast, because we use that channel for both the podcast and the server. And until next time, we can't wait to talk to you again, and God bless.